0: For those of you who don't know me, my name's Nat. I'm part of the leadership team here. And you made it. Hooray! Yeah. Yeah. Um, someone said to me, Oh, are you ready? Are you ready for your talk? How are you feeling about it? And I was like, I don't feel stressed at all because I'm not the one having to set up this morning. I'm not Marty's trying to do, you know, fire alarms and sort filling of out. But um, everyone's done a great job. So thanks to everyone who's kind of done all the bits behind the scenes so that we could kind of just show up and, and look at the phone. Yeah. It seems easy for those of us who, who don't have to be a part of it, but it's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. All right, so this morning, I want to look at a passage in Philippians, so if you've got your Bible or your phone, then head to that book, and I'll tell you the, the chapter and verse in a moment. What I want to do is I want to look a little bit at the person who wrote this letter, the circumstances of his life, and some of the things we can learn from that. And it's really in line with some of the prophetic words that have come this morning and the the theme that God has been bringing us on, which is always lovely to preach on the back of that. It's like, ah, it's easy when God's already speaking um, along kind of similar lines. So Paul wrote this letter, the Apostle Paul. He wrote it to the church at Philippi at around about 61, 62 AD. And he started that church, as we read in the book of Acts, um, quite amazingly, but now he is in Rome, so he's in, in Rome writing a letter to, to the Philippian church, and he's actually in prison. So most historians would say that by the time Philippians has, was written, Paul had been in prison around about a year in Rome, but that actually is part of a five-year stretch, around about five years that he's been imprisoned already. It started in Jerusalem when he got arrested, and he's been kind of traveling towards Rome, and he spent two years in Caesarea. And so at this point when we pick up the story, it's about five years that he's been in prison. So in those days, um, well, <laughs> prison's never nice, is it? But those days it's even worse, really. And they didn't even, um, it's, it's likely in the prison that he was in, he didn't even get food provided, food and clothing. You had to provide your own. Um, he was awaiting trial to, to see whether he would lose his life or be set free, he didn't really know. And Nero, who was in charge at that point in Rome, he was notorious for being uh, brutal and, and evil towards Christians. And many of you would have heard the kind of the saying that he was known for lighting uh, parties with, with the bodies of Christians uh, at the sides of his party. So it was a brutal, brutal time. Paul says in Philippians 2 verse 17, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And in chapter 1 of Ephesians, uh, sorry Philippians, he says, I don't know if I'm going to die or live. It's like his life hangs in the balance. So these are bleak, bleak times for Paul, really bleak. It's just the, the suffering, the unknown, the, term, the long-termness of being in this prison. Now Phil Moore in his commentary um, on Philippians says this, The more we consider Paul's worsening situation when he wrote the letter to the Philippians, the more we expect depression and frustration to fill its pages. As in, if you look at his life, you'd think the book that he's writing would be filled with despair and frustration and, ah oh, woe is me, and the suffering that he's going through. But as Fillmore says, it's actually the opposite. He says he isn't depressed or discouraged at all. The big theme of Philippians is that he is joyful on the inside. He uses the word joy or rejoice 16 times in these four short chapters. 16 times. And he goes on to say, because Paul is more aware of who he is in Jesus than all the disappointments along the way. Isn't that amazing? He's more aware of who he is in Jesus than the situation and the circumstances that he finds himself in. An amazing prophetic word from Helen about how hey, you might be in a tomb this morning. Well, Paul was like in a tomb, but actually there's a light and as, as, as Paul praises God, as we'll see through Philippians, it's like the light shines through and he forgets all about the circumstances he's in because being in Jesus is so much greater than that. And really, this is the invitation of the Christian life. It's not that life's easy and you'll be rich and things will be easy and fine and comfortable. No, it's about being seated in Christ in heavenly places and that actually dictating everything else that goes on in your life. So, that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at how Paul could live in, in the joy of being connected to Jesus and how that just defined who he was and how he saw the situation that he's in. Really, the truth is, is that we all need to reevaluate that in our own lives. And I felt like God prompted me this morning, this would be a good time for us just to reevaluate our perspective. Is it on our situations, good or bad? Or is it actually in our in our relationship with Jesus, our connection to Him, our adoration of Him, as we were singing this morning? Actually, our connection with Him—that's to be the priority in our lives. That's to be number one, and everything else kind of fits in around that. To be honest, uh, I think the church—I look at the church in general, I look at me, and I think, you know what? I'm pretty weak at this at times. I'm pretty tossed and turned by what's going on in my life, good or bad happy one day, sad the next, why situations, as opposed to being hidden in Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms. Actually, we know this is important, but our situations and our circumstances, they try and muscle us off that position every day, don't they? It's like, yes, I mean, Jesus, this is amazing, so wonderful, and then life's kind of like, yeah, I'm trying to push you off that with... This relationship that went sour or your own sin or situations you're going through that you can't fix or financial problems. And it's like we, we, we very easily lose our perspective on what it means to be sons and daughters of God. So we might not be in prison like Paul right now. But actually we all go through stuff that is like a prison in some way or just very, very tough times. It might be stress or grief, health issues issues. We might lose loved ones, sleeplessness, job uncertainty, you name it, fill in the blank. At times we feel desperate and hopeless. And even at times we just feel like, oh, I have, I have no value. I'm like trash. We might feel like that as well, which is not true. But that's some of the things that we can go through and the feelings that we can feel. Others of us actually might be flying high right now. You might just got married, like Joe and Alex, and life's good, and um, you might be excelling in your job and just feel like, man, I'm making a difference, and I'm flying, and I'm, I'm really working where I should be in my gifting, my finances are all good, or I've got a close set of friends around me who really look after me. That might be you this morning. Now, that's good. That's a good thing. We rejoice with you if that's how you feel. Others of us might just feel blah, just a sense of boredom in our life, like, our faith is boring and jobs are boring. Uh, we might just feel like we're a bit stuck with no joy. Maybe we're stuck in habits we can't break. Maybe we feel like we're living a double life. There's a whole range in this room, even this room not that big, this many people, We you'll have people who feel like they're on top of the world and people who feel like they're really, really struggling or somewhere in the middle. Really, the message of Philippians is this. It doesn't really matter what your circumstances are. There's something greater at work in your life that we need to focus on, tap into, and have joy in. And it's about joy in a relationship with Jesus, isn't it? It's just simple. This is not a complicated message. Christianity is not complicated. It's a simple relationship with God. We're children of a loving Father, and we have Jesus by His Spirit. So good. I love that. The songs we sung this morning. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit. Philippians 2, Paul says that we are united with Christ and we have comfort by his love. Um, Other places, Paul talks about we are hidden in Christ. We're seated at the right hand of God. We are dearly loved children. Do you know those in themselves, they're life-changing truths if you get a hold of them. If they go from just a knowledge to an experience by the Holy Spirit, they will change your life. Now, you can say that and think, oh, it's great things to say, but it feels like theory. Well, I was recently reading uh, a story about a nation with one of the fastest-growing churches um, in the whole globe, and that's Iran, where God is just moving powerfully and people are getting saved left, right, and center in just incredible ways, but amidst great persecution. And one Iranian woman said this, when we walk outside, we really don't care if we get arrested. We are not upset if we get arrested. What is 50 years in prison compared to an eternity with Jesus? <laughs> Am I saved? <laughs> but, you know, the reason she can say that is because she understands the truth in being hidden with Christ and being a son or a daughter of God. Now, I'm not at that point yet. Man, I, phew, that's, that's incredible. But that is the truth of the, of the Bible, and we have access to that, isn't it? So how does that become our daily reality? Well, if you want to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read a little passage from there. I got a new Bible, quite happy with it. I was flicking through it, it was all very new the other day, and someone was teasing me, they're like, oh, a new Bible. (laughs) Yeah, I'm enjoying it. So Philippians um, chapter 4, verse 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a passage. Such a beautiful passage. I want to look at this because actually Paul gives us a bit of a pattern in these verses as to how we can focus on Jesus and have a life wrapped around him and, and, be, and that be bigger than the circumstances we're in. It's actually quite a practical passage. So we're going we're gonna to delve into it a little bit and, and see what we can learn for our own lives. So the first thing that you notice here, oh, thanks, Brad, doing the slides for me, always forget, is this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. As I said, Paul uses this word joy or rejoice 16 times in Philippians. Joy is a big deal to God. The Bible actually says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. So sometimes you feel weak, it'd be good to ask the question, How's the joy of the Lord in my life? You want to be strong in God, you need to learn how to rejoice in Him. Now, notice there I said, Learn to. Learn to rejoice in him. We often think that joy is an emotion, but actually biblically it's a fruit that grows. It's a fruit of the spirit. It's actually more like a muscle that grows as you exercise it. You know, if you, if you work out, your muscles get big. Actually joy is like that. You practice joy and it grows in your life. So sometimes you don't feel like it and you practice joy and it grows and it becomes easier next time. And it changes the way you see life. It changes the way you see your situation and the way you see God. It's a fruit that grows. How do we do this? How did Paul spend his days rejoicing in prison? Well, actually, he trained himself to focus on his position in Christ and in the Father. Ephesians 1, this is Paul. He says, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. That's like an abundance passage right there we have every spiritual blessing in christ jesus we are rich in god aren't we we are totally rich we're like stinking filthy rich in god (laughs) i'm not talking about money but actually often we act and think like we're spiritually poor well paul didn't do this he was in prison everything on the outside looked like he was poor and needy and vulnerable he knew he was rich in christ he had every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places He was brought into the family. He's a royal son of God and his eternity is secure. Even if he died, it would be good for him because he would go and be with his savior. That's what richness really means. God has lavished his love and his grace on us. And we have a lot to rejoice in every day, regardless of the circumstances. For Paul and for us, it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of what are you basing your life on. How are you prioritizing your, your thought life, your time? Are you wrapping yourself around God every day? You know, the Holy Spirit breathes on truth like that and it makes it real to us. We're not just orphans alone kind of looking at a book and going, oh, there's the glory days. Actually, the Spirit brings the truth of God's word into our heart and makes it our experience. We are rich in God. Some would say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Like, how can you say rejoice when when I've got this waiting for me or this problem or this problem? Well, I would just say, look at Paul. Look at the the, the nameless, not that we know her name, Iranian woman who said, doesn't matter what we're going through because we've got Jesus. And I think they would look at you pretty weirdly if you said, what about my circumstances? They would say, it doesn't matter. Actually, I was using my dad's Bible to... um, to do a bit of prep for this because I'd, I left mine at home and I was at their house and he's written everywhere in his Bible. There's no space for it. You can barely read it really because like, he's like a doctor. He's not, but you can't read his writing. Um, but what I could read, he's here oh, he's there over there. In this passage, he, he wrote this, give your face a joyride, <laughs> which I loved because actually we need to read the Bible and let it impact us. Sometimes you just need to be like, this is truth and I feel tired right now. I feel this or that. I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to give it back to him in praise, like Helen's prophetic word. And we're going to let it hit our face. We're going to smile with God. We're going to laugh with God. We're just going to enjoy him. Give your face a joyride. Paul's heavenly realities were far above his present suffering, and so are ours. It's not false to enjoy God when you're in the middle of pain. Actually, you need to do that. (laughs) It's a, it's a practice that makes you strong when you're struggling. I'm not saying that you don't be real with what you're going through and kind of put a mask on and just sort of, I'm fine, brother, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. No, you feel pain deeply, and you do it with others, and you do it with God. But you do it in a way that brings you back to joy, because joy is where you live. Pain and, and suffering, you feel it, and you've got, to, you've got to express that with God. It's healthy, but you come back to a place of, and I'm seated with Christ. And I'm, and I'm secure in him, and I've been adopted for all eternity. That's where we end up. Sometimes when you're in a battle, that's like a daily thing. It's like you daily feel the pain, and you come back to joy. Sometimes it's like hourly or minutely. It's like, oh, this is so painful. You work it through, and you come back to God. And what if your circumstances are good? Well, then rejoice in that too. But don't let that become your biggest thing. When the disciples um, got sent out f- from Jesus, they, they saw amazing things happen. They healed the sick, they, they, they cleansed the lepers, they came back rejoicing. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. It was like, amazing things have happened. And he said, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of, of heaven or the book of life. He's saying, yeah, there's great things going on here, but rejoice in who you are. Make that your top reality, your top priority of what you're focusing on is that you're raised with Christ So the next part says this. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I'm gonna, there's a lot in this passage which we could look at. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to focus on one bit, which is this. Well, you pray. Okay, two bits. Don't be anxious, but pray about what's going on. Bring it all to God. That's an important part, is saying, God, here's my stuff. Laying your burdens onto Jesus. But how do you do that? With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is a massive word. It's a really important part of walking with God. Gratitude is another name for it. Do you know that even our secular culture understands that gratitude is, is massive? Um, um, some, some commentators or some writers on mental health issues say that gratitude is one of the three pillars to ongoing strong mental health. You've got to train your mind. They talk about keeping a gratitude journal and writing down every good thing that goes on in your life and being thankful for it and retraining your mind to find the good in your life. Now that is good stuff, but do you know as Christians, it's like way more powerful for us because we know the one that we're grateful to. And we're in a relationship with him. We're not just saying, thank you, silent universe, for your wonderful provision and it training us. We're taking it to our Father. We're taking it to Jesus and saying, you gave it to us. And we see in the face of Jesus, the one who gave us every good thing. It trains us to think and it trains us in our relationship with him. So much more powerful for us as the ones who know who made us. Actually, gratefulness is a weapon against being anxious. Actually, sometimes we, we go through life and it's like it's so tough and it's coming against us. And really, it's, it's quite simple. We need to get with God and focus on the good that he's doing in our lives. Some would be like, I can't see any good in my life right now. Well, you at least have the truth of who you are in God. And I say at least, that's the big picture right there. But even in your situation, there's things to be thankful for. People, uh, blessings, whatever it might be, you find it. And you hunt it out and you retrain your mind to be grateful to Jesus. On a side note uh, on this, have you ever heard the term common knowledge is not common practice? Has anybody heard that before? Common knowledge is not common practice. I'd say in, in Christianity, common uh, knowledge is, oh, spend time with Jesus. But common practice would show us that actually often we get pushed off that important point And we're kind of, oh, I'm too busy or this is going on or that. Quality time with Jesus is like essential to your walk with God. If there's one thing I want you to get out this morning is this. I want you to reevaluate and go, is being refreshed in God my number one? Because that's what will keep you in the long term. That's what will sustain you in God and make you fruitful and give you joy and a peace. We're going to get to it. That transcends understanding. All right, let's get to it now. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. At the top of my page on this section, it says result. This is the result of what we're talking about. It's the peace of God will guard your hearts and guard your minds. Actually, Phil Moore, um, again on on his commentary, says this. The word guard is like God mounts an armed guard around your heart and around your mind. It's like he sets an army of God's peace around you as you do these things. Man, that's helpful. This is our outcome of communing with God, of rejoicing in Him, of of praying with thankfulness. Doesn't that sound like an amazing way to live? To live your life guarded by the transcendent peace of God. Do you know, everyone in life is looking for that. Our world is obsessed with with trying to find this, they might not realize what they're looking for. They talk about fulfillment or, or life to the full, happiness, whatever it might be. What they need is a piece of God that transcends understanding. We have free access to that through Jesus. We don't have to go looking for it. We have free access to it. A lady at my work recently said to me in the kitchen, Why are you so happy all the time? And I said to her, well, inside I was like, whoa, that's good, because that's not how I feel at work sometimes. (laughs) Coming grumpy with a cloud over my head. But I said to her, it's because I've experienced the unconditional love of God. That's why. And actually, I've shared about another colleague of mine. This is a different one. I got to pray for her for her family and share a prophetic word for her that, that really sunk in. And then Lee and I got to meet with her and share the gospel with her and just talk her through some stuff. And it was like what she saw was a taster of this peace that transcends understanding. And I'm a total novice in this, but I'm just thankful that someone saw a little bit. You know, that's that's something to celebrate. But I feel like I'm just learning how to tap into this peace that transcends understanding. I would just say to you as well here, if you're here and you don't yet know Jesus, this this is what you're looking for. This is really what what life is about. What you were made for is to experience the love and the peace of God in your life. That goes far beyond the situations you're going to go through. If people promise you easy life, I met a guy, I often pray for a guy on the waterfront once. I said, hey, just walking past, I felt prompted. Can I pray for you? He said to me, I don't do that stuff anymore because I joined a church and they told me, if you, if you come to church, you'll find a wife and that's what I want and I'll be happy. And I just felt, I, like, I didn't have the words to to, to kind of process that in that moment and just kind of unravel. It's like, yeah, people are, you know, wives are a blessing from the Lord. But God doesn't promise an easy life. He promises Him to us. Yeah. And this person walked away because they had a faulty theology and they were promised stuff. Stuff that people promised them didn't happen. And God says, no, I'm promising you myself, yeah. not easy circumstances. Yeah. You and I are the same. We need this. And it's through Jesus that we get this. That's how we start this journey and how we carry it on. We surrender our life to Jesus and say, it's all about you now. I'm giving my life away to you. Fill me with a peace that transcends understanding. I'm going to fix my life around you now. And actually for the rest of us, it's just, it's, it's how we carry on. We need to re, re-look at our lives and go, have I been pushed off the mark with busyness or problems or, or this fancy thing, You know, this fancy idea that I'm, I'm into all this this book I'm reading about, oh, it's all about church growth now, so we're we're running after that. No, Jesus says, hey, it's about me. It's about a relationship with me. It's about being refreshed in my presence. Even being in this hall is a big deal for us, um, and I'm loving it. But in the last three years, our church has really changed in some ways. Um, We've seen God do things that we haven't seen before, people getting saved on Alpha or or joining the church or seeing our values and saying, oh, this this is what I'm after. Right? Well, it's easy for me and anyone else in the room who kind of carries the church in their heart or carries a position of leadership to go, all right, now we're busy and we're off and we're trying to integrate this person and we're starting connect groups and we're, you know, we're trying to do this for people and you get busy and God's like, hey, number one, you need to get refreshed in me. You can't busy yourself out, you'll burn out. If you speak to anyone who's been happy in God long term, they'll tell you it's about their time with God that sustains them. I was talking to Pete this week and he was just saying, there's this going on, or this, or that, and his comment was, "But I've got, I've had some really refreshing times in God." And what he was reflecting was, "Yeah, there might have been a challenge going on here or there, but hey, I got away and I was with God, and I'm okay because I because I've got Him and He's refreshing me through the challenges." I would just I would just ask you the question: Where are you at in your life with Jesus? Is He number one? Are you prioritizing time? Are you putting aside the best time that you've got? Not as a legalistic thing to get you to heaven or make God happy with you, but because actually if there was a well in the middle of your living room and you were thirsty, you wouldn't go and watch TV. <laughs> You'd go and drink at the well. Can we just stand? I'd love to just pray pray over us. I know time has gone. And... Maybe Jack here, if you can play for us. I would just want to encourage you with a challenge. Are you, are you being refreshed in Jesus as your priority in your life? You might say, I have no idea how to do that. That's okay. God will help you. God will good put people around you to teach you how to do that. It's just, just step by step. He loves you through it. But hey, if you once had this and you've been pushed off through busyness or circumstance, God is saying today make a decision to make me number one and to come back to the peace that transcends understanding rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Father God, we have so much to be thankful for, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that our lives do not consist of stuff or breakthrough or our smarts or cleverness because we are limited and lacking, Lord. But Lord, you are the God of abundance. You're the God who saved us, who set us free and then called us on a journey to know you, Lord Jesus. Father God, we want to just say as we kind of shift seasons a little bit as a church, we want to say again, it's about you, Lord. It's about you in our lives, in our individual life, in our marriages, in our families, in our friendships. And in this church, we say, Lord, we want to wrap ourselves around you, get refreshed in you, rejoice in you always. Father, I pray you put that as a burning passion in our hearts, Lord Jesus reshape us to be a people based around the presence of God.
1: Fresh in God is everything it's being in access and touch with life itself he's the author of life even as we close now I'm going to ask Jack to keep playing and if you know in your own heart of hearts I want this life I want to drink deeply from the well of salvation and don't rush off but maybe just stay where you are just in your seat god's brooding over this place there's a sense of the presence of god here i came to this meeting today saying to someone it's just about survival today is what i said to them not knowing all the hassle of moving into a new venue but of course god opens the trap door of grace and actually he pours His spirit out on anybody who's thirsty and will turn to him if that's you this morning you're thirsty need to be refreshed then just now's the time to receive his grace you may be happy to do that in your seat just as we close, you do that as Jack continues to play as people shuffle out and gather their children and you might want to just stay in your seat or you may think well actually I, I need to press through in this I'd love someone to stand with me just pray it through pray it through, ask the spirit to come upon your life, then hey we'd love to do that with you as well we're down the front here we'll wait for you but even where you stand maybe it's just refreshing from God now or even turning to the person next to you and say will you pray for me I need more of this refreshing but God bless you we're going to close the meeting formally now because we have to the kids are out there we know that we don't go out there and get them now they're probably tied up those who are working with them running out the door but no we'll, we'll close it now so God bless you See you here next week. This is our new venue. We'll be ironing out all the glitches. We'll get there in the end. But how good is God that he should be among us, even now, happy to be upon us. Let's continue to press and all he has for us, shall we?